Hi, everybody. Dick Vitale. Hey, make sure you listen, man, to Lockdown Blue Devils with J.J. Jackson. He's awesome, baby. You are Locked On Blue Devils, your daily podcast on the Duke Blue Devils, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Locked On Blue Devils podcast. It's great to have you here with us on our show today. My name is JJ Jackson. I'm the host of this podcast. On today's show, Emil Jefferson promoted to assistant coach on John Shire's first staff, taking over a new era of Duke men's basketball. We're going to start our player season reviews. We start with Paulo Banquero today, and then we'll have updates on Duke University spring sports for you in the final segment of today's podcast. Again, my name is JJ Jackson. I'm the host. You can follow me on Twitter at underscore JJ underscore Jackson underscore. Follow the show on Twitter at LO underscore Blue Devils. Be sure to subscribe and follow Locked On Blue Devils for free wherever you get your podcasts as you'll get the latest episode of this podcast as soon as it comes out each day. Be sure to also subscribe to our Locked On Blue Devils YouTube page where you can watch the show daily. Thank you for making Locked On Blue Devils your first listen each and every day. Big news today. John Shire has officially announced that Emil Jefferson would take over and be the newest assistant coach for Duke basketball. I love the hire. We said this is a possibility of taking place. Emil Jefferson just wrapped up his first season back on the Duke bench. He was Mike Krzyzewski's director of player development for this past season. Emil Jefferson, of course, a former Duke basketball player, three-time team captain as he played for the Blue Devils from 2012 to 2017. Emil Jefferson played in a program record 150 games. No player wore the Blue Devil jersey more often than Emil Jefferson did. Again, 150 games in a Duke uniform throughout his career. Emil Jefferson averaged 7.2 points per game, 6.3 rebounds per game, 67 home wins inside Cameron Indoor Stadium as a player. Emil Jefferson also a part of 124 total wins his time in Durham playing for Duke. He got his master's degree from Duke's Divinity School. And then Emil Jefferson had a professional career from 2018 to 2020. He was playing for the Atlanta Magic 2020-2021. He had some run with the Boston Celtics. He played in Turkey for a little bit before starting his coaching career. Amir Jefferson, just north of the age of 30, takes over as one of the assistant coaches for John Shire. Here's why I love it so much. The fact that Emil Jefferson played for Coach K, he has the experience of being a part of the brotherhood. He knows what it was like to play Duke basketball in the brand in which we know Duke basketball to be. And as John Shire takes over, he's made it known that, hey, it's not going to be a whole lot different. I'm just going to be the new head coach as opposed to Coach K. We've established this great brand. Coach K is Duke basketball, and now we take over with John Shire. Emil Jefferson was a guy that was developed Throughout his career, the player you saw, Emil Jefferson, was not the player that he was in 2015 when he's a part of a national championship winning team for the Blue Devils. And it's not the Emil Jefferson that we saw 2016, 2017 when he's wrapping up his Duke career. I mean, each and every year he got better. He added more to his game. He was such a tenacious rebounder on the glass, good at putbacks and that sort of thing. And he was key in the development of Mark Williams this season. A lot of people will tell you, They were pleased with what Jefferson was able to do with Duke's big fella on the inside. I mentioned doing end-of-year reviews for players uh, throughout the next couple of days here on Lockdown Blue Devils, and we're going to have a lot about Mark Williams, and Emil Jefferson is a big reason why. Uh, So that's a big, big, big bonus for him 
to now be a full-time assistant coach. And then now Duke gets to have him out on the road recruiting. Anytime you lose a young head coach uh, like Nolan Smith, who was doing a great job in his first season as a recruiting guy for the Blue Devils, you got to replace him with someone a little bit younger, more energy, more life that I don't want to necessarily uh, throw out the cliche that they can relate to the players better, but I do think that speaks volumes and that's something Emil Jefferson is going to be able to do. He's got Philadelphia roots, and we know Philly Hoopers, uh, there are a lot of them, and they're really good basketball players in that area. So for Emil Jefferson to be repping Duke every time he goes back home and uh, is going to know, have a lot of connections in that Philadelphia and the Pennsylvania greater uh, Northeast area, that's big time. That's going to help. Duke has always had a lot of pride in the number of New York, New Jersey players over in the Philly area as well. And so those roots, I think, help Emil Jefferson right away, day one on the recruiting trail. I think that's going to be big time. So a great move here by John Shire. Now the question is, okay, who's next? What's the next move? We've got Chris Carowell in one of those chairs. We now have Emil Jefferson in that chair. Again, Nolan Smith departs, and he's now the associate head coach at Louisville. So you've got to replace that, and you've got to replace the seat that John Shire was sitting in because he can't be the associate head coach and head coach. He's now just the guy, John Shire, the head coach of Duke men's basketball. Duke Twitter freaked out, and rightfully so. It was awesome that uh, we officially, on Twitter, at John Shire, the handle on Twitter, his bio no longer says Duke basketball associate head coach. It officially says Duke basketball men's head coach. I mean, just Awesome to see him update the bio, and we're starting off this new era of Duke basketball. And Emil Jefferson's going to be one of those guys. But one more assistant coach is needed. Mike Schrage hired over from Elon. He previously spent nine seasons with Duke basketball, then went eight years to Stanford with Johnny Dawkins, had two seasons at Ohio State with Chris Holtman, and one season at Butler with Chris Holtman before being the Elon head coach here in the state of North Carolina for the past three seasons. So. Shragi comes back over to Durham. He is the special assistant to the head coach. And Mike Shragi posted a tweet himself talking about, you know, Thursday and Friday last week, Duke gets five-star commitments from Tyrese Proctor and Mackenzie Mbako to their 2023 class. And Shragi's like, this is unbelievable. This is amazing. First two days on the job, two five-star commits for Duke basketball. That's what we love to do, and we're going to keep that moving forward. Uh, there in the brotherhood with Duke. So Emil Jefferson, the newest head coach, in terms of who could be next, a name like Tyler Thornton's had a little bit of buzz lately, the former Duke point guard who played uh, just after that 2010 national championship team. Tyler Thornton came into the mix and played for the Duke Blue Devils. He is now an assistant coach at Howard, so he's getting college basketball experience on a bench. Steve Ojahowski, a name that a lot of people want to bring up. I've seen Carlos Boozer's name out there trending as well. As Boozer has twins in the class of 2024 or 2025, uh, off the top of my head, I'm forgetting which of those two it is, but two twins that are really good basketball players, and Duke's already recruiting them pretty heavy. So uh, we'll see if Boozer might get the call. I don't know. I think Boozer's really enjoying the TV side of things. He's done a great job on the ACC network. So we'll see what happens with that final assistant coaching job, and then we still need to have decisions made by Duke players as to whether or not they will be returning to Durham for their next season uh, coming up in the new year. So uh, without that being said, coming up in just a moment, we want to start our end of season reviews. We start today with Paulo Bancaro, and it's coming up next here on Locked On Blue Devils. Today's show of Locked On Blue Devils is brought to you by our friends 
over at Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar that you're ever going to find. I love it so much as bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. Yeah, 100% real chocolate. Most Built Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Mint brownie, coconut, coconut almond, white chocolate, cookies, and cream. So many awesome flavors to choose from. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, and get 15% off your order. Built Bar, as you can see, high protein, low calorie, high fiber, low carbs. Built.com, promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your next order. Moving forward here on this Wednesday edition of Locked on Blue Devils, my name is J.J. Jackson. Let's start our end-of-season reviews, and we'll start it with Duke's best player on the team this season. Yes, freshman Paulo Bancaro, a top-three recruit coming into this season. Paulo Bancaro exits Duke. He will be a top-three pick in this year's NBA draft. He has not officially said farewell to Duke, but we know it's coming. Paulo Bancaro will be a top-three pick at the next level. He won the ACC Rookie of the Year Award, and he's so young. Paula will turn 20 years old in November out of Seattle, Washington. Of course, he wore number five on the back of his jersey this year for Duke. A couple of good fives as of late for Duke basketball. R.J. Barrett wore it on the uh, 2019 exciting team there with Zion Williamson. Tyus Jones sported number five when Duke won the 2015 National title, Luke Kennard, the shooter, wore number five. So we've had some good runs with folks wearing five on the back of their jersey. Paulo Bancaro becomes the latest one of those guys. 17.2 points per game. That was the most on the team for Paulo. 7.8 rebounds per game. That was also the most on the team. He passed Mark Williams in that department in postseason play. Mark finished at 7.4 rebounds per game. Paulo finished 7.8. So he led the team in rebounding. 3.2 assists for Paulo as well. On the season, Paulo 28 points versus the Citadel was his career high. 15 rebounds versus Louisville was a career high. And against that zone defense with Syracuse, he had nine assists in a basketball game. That was a career high. You look at people out of Seattle that have played college basketball and then go on to have a really good NBA career. Seattle is another one of those hotbeds for tons of basketball players. Just not too many of them go to Durham because it's if you look at the United States, Seattle, Washington, so far in the northwestern part of our country, all the way over to Durham, North Carolina. But you're looking at big names like Jamal Crawford. He leads the way, leads the charge for all those Seattle basketball players. Zach Levine, Nate Robinson, Isaiah Thomas, Brandon Roy, Jason Terry, DeJounte Murray, Kevin Porter Jr., Tony Roten, Martell Webster, Marvin Williams, Aaron Brooks, Spencer Hawes, Rodney Stuckey. I mean, big-time names that played in the Seattle area growing up and then went on to the NBA, and Paulo Banquero is going to be the newest of those guys. He was so good. P5 was great in transition. We saw it throughout the entire tournament, getting the ball, able to take it coast to coast. His shot, I thought, improved throughout the season. I thought one thing that really improved as well was his maturity in the shot selection department for Paulo as Duke continued to progress throughout the season. He wasn't taking as many kind of – errant quick shots in the shot clock or, or just open looks right away. He truly wanted to get the very best look for the team. And with that, I think the percentages as the season progressed started to improve for Paulo throughout the year. I cannot wait to see what this guy looks like at the next level. You talk about the number one pick debate. You've got Chet Holmgren at Gonzaga. you got Jabari Smith, who just finished his freshman season at Auburn. Auburn University's never had the number one overall pick. They're hoping that that can be 
Jabari Smith. From the Duke perspective, though, you hope Paulo can take that top spot. You compare those two prospects, they're more similar. Chet Holmgren, right? He's this tall, seven-foot-plus big man that can shoot it a little bit. Very, very lengthy, just a different type of player. Paulo and Jabari, they're at least more physically built. The one thing Paulo has, uh, he rebounded the basketball really well. And not to say Jabari Smith didn't, it's just you're working with a bigger body when you're talking about someone like Paulo Bencura. You compare the jump shooting ability, I got to give it to Jabari Smith. Of those two, Jabari Smith, the better knockdown shooter uh, between him and Paulo. But what was really impressive, Paulo's ability to put the ball on the deck and finish at the rim. We did not see a whole lot of that out of Jabari Smith this year at Auburn. Definitely saw that for Paulo Bancaro at Duke. And at the next level, the NBA, it is all about being able to create your own shot. 24-second shot clock, the pace of the game, there's more possessions. So guys being able to create their own shot as soon as they walk into the locker room is big time. And I think Paulo Bancaro is going to be able to do that. He exceeded all expectations that you could have for this guy. You already have the pressure of this is Mike Krzyzewski's final season as the head coach. You're the guy if you're Paulo walking onto campus. It's the first year of name, image, and likeness, and Paulo is getting deal after deal after deal. At one point in the season, it's announced Paulo Bankiro signed a deal with NBA 2K, the video game that everybody plays in the basketball world, and Paulo became the first ever college player to be on the game and get paid for being on the game and uh, so, yeah, he, he really put, uh, benefited from playing for Duke. And what a terrific first season it was for Paulo. Certainly going to miss him. Again, he has not officially made the announcement yet that he's going to declare for the NBA draft. But we know it's coming. And we're uh, I'm certainly excited to see what Paulo does at the next level. And I think he's definitely going to be a guy that in the years to come, the rest of his life, Paulo Bancaro is always going to wrap those four letters across his chest. D-U-K-E. Paulo Bancaro, a part of the brotherhood forever a Duke guy. In just a moment, let's give you an update on what's going on with some Duke University spring sports coming up next on Locked on Blue Devils. Our show today is brought to you by our friends over at Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing number of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts that you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning when you're at those stores, you're waiting for the person behind the counter to order parts on their computer when you could be doing that yourself, choosing brands and specifications that you really like. Save time and money when using Rock Auto. Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. They have everything you need from brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Go explore their easy-to-website today to find the solution for your auto part needs. Rock Auto, reliably low for every customer. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right, Locked On Blue Devils and their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com. As we move forward, our final segment here today for Locked On Blue Devils, a couple of updates on spring sports Let's start with baseball. Another tough one last night for Duke. They played Campbell at home on campus at the Jack Coombs Field, the on-campus ballpark for Duke baseball, as opposed to the Durham Bulls Athletic Park where Duke loves to play. I love the games that they go back and play on the on-campus field. It's uh, such a cool scene, and I know that my buddy Chris Edwards with the Blue Devil Network enjoys broadcasting games from that location. Uh, Duke lost 10-6 to last night to Campbell. Coming up next, they've got three games this weekend versus Notre Dame. Duke, of course, the reigning 
ACC tournament champions. It has not been a good season for Duke so far. They are worse in the ACC in batting average, and they've got that three-game series coming up with Notre Dame. Their record now 13-20 and 20 on the season. Duke men's lacrosse now 9-5 and five overall on the year. They're 1-2 and two in ACC play. They lost this past Saturday to Notre Dame by a competitive score of 16-15. to 15. Duke actually got a win at UNC recently. They won that game 15-6. to 6. They've got games against Virginia, and then they'll play the Tar Heels in Durham at Duke uh, for one final time before getting into postseason play. Duke is always one of the top 10 programs in the country in men's lacrosse and teams each and every year. A more difficult season this year for Duke men's lacrosse, but who knows? They're always capable of making a postseason run. Don't ever count John Donowski and that program out in any stretch. All right, Duke women's lacrosse, a really good season this year. The women's lacrosse team is 14-1 and overall on the season, 5-1 and in the ACC. Duke women's lacrosse has now won eight games in a row. They've got a couple of games coming up, big ones. They've got games versus number two Boston College and then a game at North Carolina. The Tar Heels are always really good, and if you look at the programs over the past several seasons, UNC women's lacrosse has been the flag bearer of, of the two men's and women's lacrosse. The Tar Heels women's program has been absolutely elite, and so what? those will be some tough tests coming up for Duke women's lacrosse. All right, Duke softball. How about this? Yesterday they had a doubleheader in Virginia at James Madison, and Duke outscored the Dukes 34-3 to in the two games. Again, a doubleheader, and Duke outscored the Dukes 34-3. to The first game, Duke won by a score of 24-2. to The second game of the doubleheader last night, Duke won 10-1. to Duke had been 0-2 all time versus James Madison. They're now even in the series between the two schools at 2-2. Two and -two. Duke will now have eight full days off. And then a game at Liberty. Duke right now the number two team in the ACC behind Virginia Tech. Duke is 14-2 and two in the conference. They are also the reigning ACC champions. In the game that Duke won by a score of 24-2, Duke had 10 home runs hit by the team. That is a program record for most home runs in the game. Jamison Cavell had three home runs herself. A program record now 13 home runs this year. Christina Foreman had 12 homers last year. Foreman's still on the Duke team. Foreman also homered in yesterday's game. Uh, five home runs in the fifth inning. Duke was able to tie an NCAA record in that game last night with those five home runs in one inning. That's been done 10 different times. So no team at the NCAA level of softball has ever been able to hit six homers in one inning, but 10 different times a team has hit five. That feels impossible to be able to do that, and Duke did it last night in the fifth inning against James Madison. As the visiting team, Duke had to keep batting in the fifth because you are the visiting team. You've got three outs to get in the fifth for the run rule to be in effect, and did Duke, Duke did win that game in five innings, of course, in that run, run rule fashion, uh, the 22-run margin that they won by, but they were able to keep batting in the fifth, and so five different home runs in that fifth inning. Julia Boyette and Leah Jarnick, Went back-to-back. Back. That was their first career home runs. So even the freshmen on the Duke softball team got into the home run parade. And again, Duke softball is less than six years old as a program. They already won the ACC a year ago. They're one of the top teams in the entire country again this season. 
with a 32 and 5 overall record. I had the absolute honor earlier this season of doing the play by play for one of their games against Georgia Tech on the ACC Network Extra and to get to see them in person. Just so impressed by the pitching staff, the bats, everything for Duke softball. So big time victory for the Blue Devils. Two more wins. And again, they'll have eight days off before their next game at Liberty. That's going to do it for today's edition of Locked On Blue Devils. We appreciate you listening to us. You can follow me on Twitter at underscore JJ underscore Jackson underscore. Follow the show on Twitter at LO underscore Blue Devils. Be sure to subscribe and follow this podcast right now on your favorite podcast app, and you'll get the latest episode of Locked On Blue Devils as soon as it's available each and every day. Now make sure you go check out Locked On ACC, as that's going to do it for today's show. As always, go Duke. I'll talk to you tomorrow. My name is JJ Jackson. Thank you, and good day.